Hey guys, so we're going to read Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 31. I'm going to read from NIV. This is the word. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged on the, to, belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from the heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for the man from Tartarus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to the holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority of the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man has chosen is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus was the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem? Asking among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned about their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. 
and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. Then the believers learned of this. They took him down to Caesarea and went and sent him off to Tartarus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Thank you, Saul. Not Saul. Thank you, Song. <laughs> Thank you, Saul. Yeah. All right. Um, it's great to be with you all again. Um, Acts 9. All right. Uh, um, now, how many of you ladies would like to shop these kind of household items? Especially with those, uh, those with houses now, homes, yeah. Yeah, my wife likes to visit these um, Briscoe's, Bed Bath. I just go along, all right? Just, um, yeah, not too much interested. But, but it's good to have these things in the house, right? And sometimes we, us, us men, you know, we think uh, we don't like these sort of things, but we appreciate them. Uh, you know, we just took for granted, all right? But you know what? In, in God's house, there are these household items too, all right? And Second Timothy says that in God's house, there are articles, not there are special ones, and there were common ones. Some were made of gold and silver. Some least uh, special, but they were made of wood and clay. All right. But interesting was um, whether it was special or it was common. Actually, the special was actually translated. It was honor, honorable. And a common one was actually can be translated as despisable, not as special, you know, less common. Um, but the, the interesting was, it's not the, the actual um, item itself uh, that qualified them. It's actually the attitude. See, um, you, clean, you cleanse yourself and you'll be, be made special instrument for God. See, in this household of God, God has different kinds of calling for us, and we are all different, okay? And, but, but whether we're special or we're common, it's not because of the roles or the responsibilities, but about our attitude towards God himself. Do we actually cleanse ourselves from, from sin that we can be used by God, right? So, the, the passage here, we'll, we'll, you know, when we, when we read um, uh, Acts 9, we all think about Saul, all right? Even I, that captured my, my, my thoughts, you know, Saul, thank you, Saul, you know. But there was more than Saul in, in, in chapter 9. Did you realize there was another name? Ananias. There was one more name there, Barnabas. So even just three names, we find that there are three different instruments God called to make the spreading of the gospel from Jerusalem cross over to Samaria and break through and broke through to the ends of the world 
So, so let's have a look at this Psalm um, 9, 1 to 31. Now, it was God's plan. It was, yes, he chose Saul. All right. But this, this calling of Saul involved Ananias. And eventually, it was the whole church. But Barnabas was very significant right there. It was not Barnabas. Saul would not be accepted by the Jerusalem church. So, in order that the, the gospel would be effectively preached, it was more than just one person being called. It was others need to go to follow up Saul. And Barnabas need to introduce him to the Jerusalem church. So everybody played a part. And today, when this message, God's word speaking to us today, I believe that we all have our different callings, but under God's call to the church. We might have uh, respective roles and responsibilities. Not everybody come out and, and, and speak. There are others who, who lead in different ways. There are, I mean, there's group leaders who work tirelessly, days and night behind the scene. Nobody knew, all right? But we all respond to God's calling so that his gospel might be proclaimed. Everybody play a part. So, now, um, so far we've reached uh, chapter 9, okay? Last week, uh, Pastor William preached chapter 8, okay? And you will see the pattern. Um, when in chapter 2, the, ch the birth of the church, all right? Ever since the birth of the church, it's kind, kind of gone up to ups and downs, all right? There was great things that happened, but there were also challenges that threaten the church, all right? And I, I, would, I would say it's like, you know, there's an English phrase that says the, the greater the level, the, I mean, the, the higher level, the greater devil, right? But I, I believe the greater the, the devil, the higher our levels, all right? Because because God is trans transcends all, and He builds the church. And even though there are challenges, there there are obstacles, there there yeah things that go against us, but because Jesus said, "I will build my church," and therefore we can have courage. It's not that it's not me, it's not you that we can overcome all these things, but we can. In the name of Jesus, we can be triumphant, right? So, in chapter three. Uh, the power of the Spirit came over, and it was 3,000 and then 5,000, right? But there were threats and oppositions. And when they kind of united against that, they, they keep on trusting the Lord, yep, they, can, they, they overcame. But there was internal problems. There was, it, was, um, it was when they dis distributed uh, the, the resources, it was not even, and there was complaints, it was moaning, all right? But... Then they overcome this, they, they seize the opportunity and they, they, they have uh, set aside deacons to do all these jobs and they did it well and the gospel just kept spreading, all right? But then, persecutions and the first martyr, Stephen, right? You, you heard about this last time, okay? But yet, the gospel continued to advance. It was because of the, Stephen's persecution and death they had to flee. And as they flee, as they fled, 
they took the Gospels beyond the realm of Jerusalem, Judea, right? And now today we talk about God's spe specific plan in choosing Saul, all right? So Pastor Williams spoke last time, right? Everything was within Jerusalem up to chapter 8, all right? They, they thought, wow, we, we, we're having great revivals here. Many priests came to, came to Christ. Wow, hallelujah. This, we, we, it's very busy to keep up with these people converting. Don't have time for anything else. Everything was good, but was within Jerusalem. But Jesus said, beyond. The, the only thing, what they, they, they broke away from Jerusalem was persecution. Never thought about, you know, going beyond Jerusalem through these circumstances. All right? But now, to the end of, of the earth, God's specific plan in choosing Saul. But it's not just Saul. It was the whole church. Need, we all need to respond, okay? It was an account of Paul, the submissions of Ananias, and the recognition of the church. Barnabas played a very important part in that. So let's look at each individually. First, the encounter of Paul. Okay, in verses 1 and 2, it said, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. He was very passionate. He was very aggressive in, in persecuting the church. Okay, why? Because he, as he, he was sharing his testimonies in chapter 22 and 26, on different occasions, he talked about his own upbringing. He was a devout Jew. He was brought up in a very, very devout way. As, as a, um, in, the, in the teaching of the law, he had a great teacher. All right? So these Christians, they were cults. They were, they were against the, the, his, his faith, his religion. I mean, these are pests. And they need to be exterminated. So he did all he could to try to, for the name, in the name of God, to exterminate him. Right? That was in his faith, in his, in his understanding. He was doing the right thing. But when God had his plan, in verse 15, when he was appearing to Ananias, before Saul even had that encounter, Jesus, God said to Ananias, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and the kings and to the people of Israel. That was the call of God. And that encounter was it was very dramatic, okay? We read about it. I won't go into details about it. We don't need to... Now, I mean, with 40, 50 people here, we don't need to have that specific encounter. You know, how many people have actually seen, saw flashes of lightning and, and 10, 10 angels blowing 20 trumpets and Isaac, you come to me and you drop onto the ground, you know? Had, Hardly anyone would see. I, I, I tell you what, these encounters, if we don't respond, you know, one day we will need to be accountable to God. It was one Saturday night. It was, it was one 
sister who told me. It was one Saturday night, it was 10, 15 years ago, right here. And on Saturday service, most of you were still attending Saturday service at that time. She told me, while we were worshiping, she actually saw Jesus here. I said, wow, I, I've been pastoring for about 30-something years. Never saw, saw, physically saw Jesus, nothing, anything not like that. But she told me she saw Jesus. Wow. What would, what would you have responded? How would you have responded in, with, with your life? But today, she's not at church. I don't care what kind of encounters you have, but how do we respond to the encounter to Jesus? You know? God calls us in different ways. He would call Saul to specifically as his chosen instrument to preach the Gospels to the Gentiles. But he might have called you to something else. We're thankful that there are many who are actually considering full-time ministry in this church. Praise God. Let this be so. But I still guess the majority of us, we're just called in our profession, in our workplaces, in our homes to actually fulfill his task in our lives so that we can honor him. All right? Now, um, this word vocation, it came from, it came from uh, you know, when we fill out our resume, our CV, you know, we say vocation, you know, what kind of career. But it's kind of very much downplayed, the, this word. Actually, this word is it's come from Latin vocary is to call. That's God's calling. My job, my career is God's calling. It's a divine call. Whether you are gonna, you're a doctor, or you're a, a dentist, or you're a, yeah, even I was, I was a takeaway shop proprietor or whatever. God calls me there. And until God has specific calling and told me to turn around to do something else, he calls me and you to be in that role, to honor him and to be salt and light to others. And in church, yes, we're all called to be his instruments, to work together, to build up his church. You know, how, how do we... How do we live our life? You know, when, when, when I was young, when I was small, my, when I was young, you know, the parents, Chinese parents, always tell you to, you know, like, like do things right, all right? Uh, do things right. I mean, uh, live up to, you know, your family tradition. Uh, uh, you know, um, don't, don't, don't cheat. Uh, but actually, we do, actually. Shop, you know, Chinese, the, actually, they're the best in cheating tax, you know. All right. When we were having takeaway shop, you know, we, you you would not bank all the all the money that comes to to your businesses. All right, you always cheat. But God knew, so I, I was out of that when I became a Christian. Right. All right. But 
doing things right, it may not be pleasing to God. There is a difference between doing things right and doing the right things. What is the right thing that caused you to do? Now, I believe I'm doing the right things that God called me. I don't necessarily do things right all the time. Right? I make mistakes. But as long as we do the right things that God wants me to do, we're pleasing God. What is that calling that God has in your life? We're not perfect. Surely. But if we're just doing the things that God, that pleases God, and He, he calls me in, in, in that situation, in that role in my life, I'm serving Him. I, yeah, I make mistakes. I have my weaknesses, and I have my sin, yes. But as long as I'm doing the right thing, one day when God, when Jesus comes back, good and faithful servant, are we, are we walking in this calling that he has for me? Secondly, the willingness of Ananias in, in verses 10 to 19, especially in 11 to 12. The, the Lord told Ananias, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man uh, from Tarsus named Saul. For his praying. In the vision, he sees this man, Ananias. It was, God was saying to Ananias, yes, go to this guy. He's, in the vision, he would see you. You'll be going there to, to lay your hands on him and restore his sight. And he actually, the first response was worried. He didn't want to go. Very natural. It's like, you know, some, if God gives you a vision and go, go to this guy, he's got a gun in his room, in his home, he's going to rob the bank, and you go there and pray for him. Would you? And the response from Ananias was, no, what? He, I, I've heard that he, he's persecuting the church in Jerusalem, and now he's got the papers from the priest to come to Damascus to take us, arrest us back to Jerusalem. You ask me to go to pray for him? Surely, some, you know, when, when, when the calling is from God, it may not be all easy. That we're challenging. There are times that we think, have we actually got the right vision? But, Ultimately, Ananias submitted. He was willing to go. With, with challenge, um, uneasy, but he went. And in verses 18 to 19, Ananias went to the house, entered it, placing his hands on Saul. Listen to this. He said, Brother Saul. Wow, can you imagine? Saul just had this encounter. Jesus. That was the name that I was persecuting. persecuting. You know what it was. Need wow, what that vision actually meant. And somebody now, it's called this guy, he was a Christian. He came to me and called me brother. 
And he came and prayed for me and explained, was this Jesus that you saw on the road to Damascus and asked me to come and pray for you and be filled with the Holy Spirit? Wow. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. And what was more, he got up and was baptized. What did Ananias do? He did not just go and pray. I believe he did a few things more so that Saul would understand and he got, he got baptized. I think in today's term, it's like follow-up and discipleship. Right? When somebody comes to Christ, a lot of things are known for him or her. Someone needs to be standing alongside, coming alongside, and, and, and to, to be with him or her, to, to, let, to tell him what is next, what to do. Right? Like, we went to this um, Billy Graham um, uh, crusade uh, with, a, with a training a uh, couple weeks ago. And was this, it was, this guy was explaining, you know, there was new converts. They have, they have very, very, they are very uncertain in a lot of ways. Spiritually, they need protection because in their, in their because they just responded to the Spirit of God, right? So it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual battle. If we don't, go alongside and pray for them and empower them spiritually, Satan, he's over here, he's going to grab him back. You know, I mean, Satan works a lot harder than us, you know. And we, you know, when, when, we, see, when we see somebody came to Christ in a rally or in a, in a meeting or whatever, and say, oh, we just get, oh, congratulations, and then we left him alone. And Satan, wow, it's good time for me to grab him back. No, they need someone to stand alongside, like Ananias. Now imagine, Saul, when he came to Christ, wow, it was a big, a great encounter, right? But spiritually, emotionally, relationally, uh, intellectually, he was in a new, it was a new thing for him. Very strange. Who on earth can come? Yes, of course, Jesus and the Holy Spirit is in, in him. Yes, but we're still human beings. We have our emotions. We need relationships. And we need more information. What next? And there, Ananias came, stood alongside. All right. We need more Ananiases to be with those vulnerable ones. Not, not just people come to Christ. I mean, people called for ministry. They will encounter great spiritual conflicts. We will appreciate people to pray for us. Not even just, you know, being called for full-time ministry. What about the, the leaders? When they serve, they will encounter many challenges. Satan would really want to to focus on them because 
you know, when he attacks the shepherds, the sheep would, would disband. So pray for those who are called by God. Uh, whether they were specific callings or just serving in church. We do need to stand alongside one another. Ananias. Would that be your calling? Thirdly, the recognition of the whole church. Verses 20 to 30. Now in verse 19b, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Why? Because Ananias followed up. And he would introduce Saul to the believers in Damascus, the church of Damascus. That's why he was able to spend several days uh, serving, preaching, fellowship with the disciples in Damascus. All right? But when he, he was persecuted and it, people wanted to kill him, so the church in Damascus sent him to Jerusalem. Okay? But when he was in Jerusalem, those, the, the, peop, the disciples in Jerusalem wasn't sure this guy Saul. He went away, he got the paper and went away to go to take those our, their brothers and sisters from Damascus come back to Jerusalem and to kill them, right? And what? This guy Saul, he became a Christian? Come on, could be a setup, man. Could be a plot. So nobody believed it. Only Barnabas accepted and took him in. Not just he himself took him. He also brought him to the, the apostles. Now, if it was a plot, you're going to kill the whole church in Jerusalem. Right? You're going to be the sinner of sinners. <laughs> That's a big responsibility. But Barnabas, in, in Acts 4, it says, he was, his name, actually Barnabas was his nickname. It was, given, it was a given name by the, by the other disciples. His original name was Joseph. All right? And because the name Barnabas, because it actually was, it really meant uh, encourager. And it was actually the same name as the, when Jesus described the advocate of the Holy Spirit. You know, the second, uh, the, the, the new advocate that I will send. It was the same word, parakletos. So Barnabas was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was a good man and he knew that Saul was chosen by God. And he took the courage and, brought, and took him in and he brought him to the apostles. And in verse 27, just, just, just read those phrases. You know, He did not just brought them to the apostles. He studied it how how actually what sort of encounters and how God has dealt with Saul, he explained very, very detailly to the church so that the church in Jerusalem accepted Saul.
and we all. I think that God chooses Saul. There's not too many Saul in that sense, all right? And Ananias, is, we, need, we need more Ananias in our church to follow up those with specific callings. But I believe all of us need to be Barnabas to recognize God's doing in our church. This guy, you know, um, and later on we'll read uh, Acts 11 about the church in Antioch. When the Gentile church was born in Acts 11, the Jerusalem church wasn't sure is it actually the work of God? So he, so the church in Jerusalem sent Barnabas, and sent, and they, he went all the way to Antioch, and the Bible says he he was there and he saw the grace of God, and he was glad, and he knew there were needs, and he knew that I can't do that all by myself. So he went all the way up to Tarsus and found Saul. He was there at the time. And he brought him back to the church in Antioch and they served together. And this first Gentile church, because of them and because of the teaching of Saul, they became the first mission church in the New Testament. I mean, if you were Barnabas, if the mother church in Jerusalem sent you over to this church in Antioch, whoa, I'm sent by the mother church, Jerusalem. I'm here. I'm the, I'm the sent one. I'm the apostle in that sense. I can be here. I, I, I can entitle myself Bishop Barnabas. I do whatever I want you guys to do. You listen to me because Jerusalem Church sent me here. No, he didn't. He saw the needs. He knew that now Barnabas is a very good encourager. He might not be a very good teacher. He knew his shortcomings and knew, he knew there were resources. He didn't mind to go all the way to find and find Saul. And you know what? When Saul, when he, when he was a, the the when he initially, he wasn't an easy guy to get on with, right? It took him a long time uh, for God to shape him, right? When he was first called by God, even though he had about two or three years in Arabia and, and trying to integrate his theology, right? But when he, he first came to serve, came out to serve, he was a hard case to follow, you know? It was hard to get on with. He would even rebuke Peter, is that kind of guy, all right? And Saul was willing to work with him. Barnabas. Surely, there are a lot of people we don't want to get on with, all right? There are people, yeah, okay, they, I mean, he can be in this group, but don't, don't send him to my group, Pastor William. <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want him to come into my group, you know? Surely, I mean, being pastor for this church for 20 years, there are still some people ah, wish God could send him to another church. 
you know. But God wants them to be here. It's not my choice. It's God's choice. If you haven't haven't heard um, Pastor uh, Doctor Tucker's um, message last Wednesday or the Wednesday before, please go and 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 listen to it. As a Baptist, we do not just commit our lives to God. We are after we commit our lives to God, we're saying, telling, we're ask, we're telling God, God, I want to commit my life with to your people here in this church whether I like it or not. This is, this is our response. So, we are all called to recognize God's work amongst different people in this congregation, in this church, Saturdays, Sunday mornings, in this community of churches churches in this nation in the global church we are, we are called to commit to one another to recognize God's work amongst his people though they may be different from us so we see chapter 9 the encounter of Saul right? the willingness of Ananias and the recognition of the church. And we are called to be Barnabas as well. And the result of this, see, that's the encounter of Saul, the willingness of Ananias, and the recognition of the church. The result was, in verse 31, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened living in the fear of the Lord and encountered by the, uh, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. And better things was to come. And Saul was the one that chosen to take the gospel beyond the realm of Samaria to firstly Asia Minor and then cross to Europe, Greece, and then the end of chapter 28, it reached Rome. That was the plan of God. But not just to Saul, to everyone. How would you respond to God's calling in your life? What is this calling? What's God calling us? Calling, calling me as a pastor, but calling you Maybe, maybe, yes, God's going to call you for full-time ministry. Let's discern it together. But if there are others being called in specific ways of, of full-time, we are called to stand alongside them, to encourage them, to recognize God's work, God's will in our church together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, yeah, for your ever calling to, for us to respond to you, to your kingdom, 
to the sake, for the sake of the gospel. And thank you, Lord, that in your wisdom, in your, in your love, that you call us today. Lord, help us to really discern your will in our lives, Lord, in our church, as a corporate, as a body of Christ, that we respond in a loving and in a humble way, so that your will be done in my life and the lives of our brothers and sisters here in this church. May your will be done, Lord. In your mighty and wonderful name we pray. Amen.